It's good to see everyone tonight. I hope that you've had a good day thus far. And I hope and pray the message that we have prepared will be one that will be encouraging and uplifting and help each of us as we strive to do those things that are right and good and pleasing in the sight of God. We're going to continue and actually conclude our series that we started last week titled God's Gifts to Man. And back to James chapter 1 verse 17, as we've mentioned, the Bible clearly teaches that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. And so there should be no doubt in our minds where these wonderful gifts have originated, who, who is the giver of the many wonderful gifts that we enjoy today. And so as we go into the fourth part of this lesson we're going to talk about the gift of heaven that God has given we've already talked about the Bible and and how much we need that gift and we've talked about how that God gave his only begotten son Jesus Christ and how we could not be saved without Christ and then this morning we talked about the church and how important the church is and what a wonderful gift the church is and, and that we have the privilege of being a part of that blood-bought institution that was provided for us by God. And then tonight, as we think about those first three gifts, they were really given for one main purpose, if you stop and think about it, and that purpose is that God wants us to be with Him eternally. That's why he gave us the Bible. That's why he gave us his son. That's why he gave us the church. God longed for us to be with him eternally. And so for that reason, he has prepared a place for us so that we can be with him when this life is over. In John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3, you recall that Jesus said to his disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. I don't know if there's a more comforting passage of Scripture anywhere in the Bible than that passage right there. Just the very thought that Jesus went to prepare a place for us. Now, when you study the subject of heaven and you study this the subject of the church, you'll see a lot of similarities. And I do believe, and we'll look at some passages, that, that I could see them as pertaining to the church and I could see them as pertaining to heaven. There are some passages that I believe have primary and secondary application, if you will. And so I have heard people teach on John 14 and say that's the church, and I don't really have a problem with that, but I also see it as, as, as heaven itself. And so it may be one of those dual application type passages, but just thinking of living with God in heaven. I don't know if there is a better thought than that. Thinking about being with him eternally. You see, this is what will get us through the difficult times in this life. I was talking to Shane and Matthew a little while ago. And it, I don't know if it's because I'm older. Maybe some of y'all can help me with this. Or if maybe times are a little more difficult than they were when I was younger. Most likely it's because I'm older now and I know more people. And the people I'm around are older. But... It seems to me like people are suffering more now than ever before in my lifetime. 
almost everyone that you talk to, they have some serious issue that they're dealing with, either themselves or, or their families. And if you live long enough, if you haven't dealt with troubles, you will, or you probably already have, or you're dealing with them now. You remember Job said, Job 14, 1 and 2, man that is born of woman is, is a few days and full of trouble. I mean, so, so it's probably not anything new, but with the COVID and the sicknesses and the, and the things that are going on in our country, it just, it just really seems like there's so many people that are, are very depressed. Uh, they're, they're, many are brokenhearted. Uh, many are, are just fighting every day to survive and striving to be strong for themselves and, and for others as well. I believe we live in a time where people really need a lot of encouragement. They need some good things to think about. I, I believe that pro probably a lot of what I'm discussing right now has to do with social media. I mean, back in the days when we were younger, we didn't hear about everybody's troubles and everybody's problems. We knew the ones that were immediate around us, but, but there was always things going on in other families and other places that we never heard of. But today, everything is being aired. And so when you constantly see this and you hear this over and over, you think, wow, times are really bad. But it's just that we know so much because it's put there for you to know. But heaven is really, really a special gift. And it's a special gift for many reasons. And just staying focused on heaven, the, the hereafter. You see, if, if there's no hereafter, then maybe sometimes we struggle and we don't really have a real purpose for it. But when you know that there is life after death and you know that there is heaven to gain and and you want to be with god eternally in heaven you press forward you endure you you strive really hard to stay strong and so that one day you will make it and others can see you going through struggles and difficulties and they see how you handle them and it encourages them with the difficult times that they have in their lives and so one of my favorite subjects of course would be heaven and i'm sure it's one of yours as well what a gift that god offers to mankind you know there's not a one of us that deserves being with god in heaven eternally we really don't as paul said we've all sinned and come short of the glory of god and of our own we are very unrighteous we didn't know how to do right if it were not for God and his instructions and his example, he showed us when he sent his son to live before man and show man how to live a righteous life and to make it where we could be forgiven of our sins and we too could be righteous in the sight of God by being faithful to what he has commanded. So number one, the gift of heaven is special because of who will be there. Oh, that makes it very special. You know, there's some places I don't really care to go. And it's, some of that is because I don't know anyone there. There are other places that may not be that well known, but yet there's people there that I know that mean something to me. So, so I like to go to those little small places because of who's there, not, not because of where it is. 
You see, when we think about heaven, we, we realize that in heaven there will be the redeemed of all ages. Oh, so many times I think about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We've just studied the book of Genesis. And those, those characters that we studied, those people, we studied about their lives and, and their ups and downs and their struggles and everything. Just like we have, they had those struggles and everything. But, but so many of them were able to, to keep the faith, to press on, to, to make it through life. Some went astray and then came back. Some stayed true all the way through, but they still had their, their moments of downtime, their moments of weakness, times when they were not proud. But, but you know what? These were, were great people that we studied about. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 11, the Bible says, Jesus was speaking, and he said, I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Just think, that could be you. Can you imagine sitting down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And the list goes on. I'm telling you, all the redeemed of all ages. Oh, I would love to be in that assembly, wouldn't you? I would love to be with those people. And you know something, the longer I live, the more I realize how special those people were that that were able to overcome the things that they overcame and stay true to God. It means a lot more to me because I've lived longer and I've faced more difficulties and I've had more challenges and struggles just like you. But, but now I look at them, I thought, wow, how was, how was Moses able to lead so great a people when we struggled just to lead 50 or 60? And we think we've got it bad when things are not going well. Uh, but he had thousands that he led. Just think of him leading all those people through the Red Sea and into the wilderness and all their murmuring and griping, complaining. That may not mean much to you unless you've tried to lead people. And to just lead a few is difficult. Moses, a great man. But you go back, all those, those great people of the past, all those faithful they will be there. I know a lot of times I harp on passages like Matthew 7, 21. Well, actually 13 and 14. Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way, at least to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, straight is the gate, and there is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. And we have had studies on how that the majority normally does not do right, and the majority is going to be lost. The minority, the few, will, will be faithful. They'll, they'll have their ups and downs. They'll have their struggles, but they'll still hang on to God. They'll be faithful and true, and they'll make it. And so sometimes I know it sounds kind of like we may even begin to wonder when we think about Noah, the preacher of righteousness, and seven others saved on the ark. That's a few. And we may begin to wonder... Such small numbers have been saved at different times. Will I be in that number? Will I be one of the few? But I have to remind myself of what John wrote in Revelation 7 verse 9 where he said, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. 
You see, when we talk about a few making it and the majority not, you've got to realize we're using comparative terms. When John looked into heaven, he saw a, a number of redeemed people wearing those white robes with those palms in their hands that no man could number. You could not even count all the people that were, will be there in heaven. But when you compare those with that with the number that will be in hell, it will only look like a few if you're comparing them. But what we've got to keep in mind is there's room in heaven for all of us. We can all make it. We can be there wearing our white robe with palms in our hands on that great day of the Lord. In heaven, you'll have a lot of your friends will be there. People that you've known. People in the church that you've known, that you've become very close to, they'll be there. There'll be a lot of people there we won't know. Members of the church that we've never met. But I hope and pray that I'll be there and I hope and pray that you'll all be there. And we'll see each other there when that time comes and we'll live together in heaven. I want to go to heaven because you're going to be there. I think of Brother Truman and Sister Ruby and Brother Howard. and just The list goes on of good and godly people that we have known that have already gone on to paradise. And we miss them, don't we? But you know, we know this. We've got friends that will be in heaven and, and I personally believe the Bible teaches we will recognize them. We're going to have some of those teachers that taught us the Bible. They're going to be there. I can think of some of the, the ladies that taught me when I was a child. Every Sunday, so in small congregations, sometimes your Bible class teacher, she's almost eternally your Bible class teacher because she has you Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night until you're almost out of high school. But yet, they always had something prepared. They always had something to teach. And then, of course, our family members. We'll have family members there. You know, if for no other reason, I would want to go there because of my family members that have been faithful in Christ Jesus. So heaven is really special because who's going to be there? And really, if you want to top it all off, far above all those people that I've just mentioned, God will be there. I want to be where God is. The Father's going to be there. God the Father. Matthew 6 verse 9. When Jesus was giving that model prayer. He said. After this manner therefore pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven. Where's the Father? He's in heaven. You remember the Father and the, and the Word. Uh, who became the Son. They were both in heaven. And the Father sent the Word to earth. But, but He was in heaven. And then in. Colossians 3 verse 1, the Bible says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So after Jesus ascended, he ascended back to heaven to sit on the right hand of the Father. So now I know God the Father's in heaven. I know God the Son, Jesus Christ, is in heaven. And in Revelation 1 4, the Bible says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. That seven spirits represents the Holy Spirit. 
Seven being completeness. And so the Holy Spirit is now, you remember when Jesus was on earth, Jesus had to ascend so the Comforter could come. The Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, came. He gave this word to man. And then I believe he went right back where he was to start with. I know this. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit live in heaven. And if I want to be with them, I want to go to heaven. Heaven is special because the Godhead is in heaven. You can read more about that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 13 through 18. Number two, the gift of heaven is special because of what is there. Not just who is there, but what is there. One of the things that is very precious to me, and I'm sure it is to you as well, is joy. You know, this life is not about money and, you know, huge homes, fancy automobiles. That's just stuff, isn't it? it, it really, when it comes right down to it, I, I like to have joy in my heart. There's going to be joy in heaven. Notice in, Revel in uh, Matthew 25, verse 21, the Bible says, And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. We'd make application for us to heaven. If we've been faithful down here, when we get to heaven, we will be entering into the joy of our Lord. I like joy down here. I like to rejoice. I like to be happy, don't you? But just think, it will be joy unspeakable. I mean, words cannot describe the joy that we will have when we hear those words from our Lord. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Oh, there's going to be so much rejoicing in heaven. I'm going to tell you, if I make it to heaven, I'm going to be like, whoo. I'm so happy to be here, y'all. I want to be in heaven one day, don't you? More than anything in this world, I want to be in heaven because in heaven there's going to be some true rejoicing going on in heaven. But also, Christians have an inheritance. An inheritance that we will inherit, but that inheritance is in heaven. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. The Bible says to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. You have an inheritance. I know now with uh, our social security and things, we, we have to pay in every year. And, and if you live long enough, you can, you can somewhat retire and you can draw your pennies. And I think that's about what it is these days, pennies. But, but you'll get something. And it may be that if you, your parents had something, maybe they left you an inheritance. And, and uh, it may be that you get it at a certain time sometimes. But, but you can have inheritance of that nature down here. But, but that's nothing to compare with the inheritance that awaits Every single child of God in heaven. You see, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 17, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. 
In this life, we're going to suffer. Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You're going to suffer for doing what's right down here. It's just the way it has always been. Darkness hates light. You do right, those that do wrong are going to hate you. Not because you've done them wrong, but because you do what's right. Isn't that odd? You would think even those that do wickedly would love those that do right, but that's not the case. Doesn't work like that. But here the Bible says if we suffer with him, we're going to be glorified with him. He says that we are children, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. I heard a guy say one time that being a joint heir means that we inherit what Christ inherits. I've heard many people say, I just want to be a doorkeeper. I've known some women that I think if they had their rathers, they would, they would just work in a kitchen up there somewhere and do something like that, be a servant. And they'd be happy as could be just to serve the rest. You know, I don't know a whole lot about heaven. I don't, I don't think my mind could comprehend. I don't believe that words can, can be written that will where I can fully understand heaven. I just can't do that. I, I'm just, I'm not capable of that at all. But I know this, I just want to get there. It matters not what God has me doing in heaven. I just want to be there. I want to be in his presence, even though I know I'm undeserving. I want to be there. I want my inheritance, whatever that is. I don't care if you inherit something that I don't inherit. You inherit more than I inherit. You deserve it. But if my inheritance is just being able to be in heaven where God is, that's enough inheritance for me. Everything I've suffered and everything I've given up and everything that I've lost, it, it's, it won't mean anything if I can just make it to heaven. You know, Jesus did say he's going to prepare a mansion for us. John 14, 1 through 3. That, that word mansion there means a residence or an abode or, or a room. And I've talked to you about this a lot of times. That I used to think of, you know, everybody having a mansion on a hill. You know, in heaven, if you could look out across there. And, and there's a lot of language used in the Bible that we can relate to, kind of like parables. You know, we're, we're taught parables in the Bible. We understand the earthly side, but it helps us to understand the spiritual side. So we have a picture in our minds, most likely every one of us, of having this nice mansion sitting on a hill in heaven somewhere. Well, we know things are not going to be physical there. We understand that. But that's the only way we can really relate. But when I was studying this and I realized that that word mansion really meant rooms, I thought, wait a minute. I think I would rather have a room in God's mansion than have my own mansion in heaven. Can you imagine living with God? Well, like I said, this could also apply to the church. Think about it. This is the house of God, isn't it? And there's rooms here for everyone. So there's a lot of similarities between the church and heaven itself. Well, he's gone to prepare that place, that abode, that room. And we cannot really, really comprehend the beauty of heaven. You remember when John wrote about it in Revelation 21, he called it the new Jerusalem. And again, I mean, that, I could see where that could be talking about the church. But if everything is just about the church and we don't have anything about heaven, 
And I believe God wants us to see the beauty of the church, the, the glory and the grandeur of the church uh, in its glorified state. But he also wants us to know something about where he is. But they're very similar. But as John wrote about it, and I'm not going to read all of this, but uh, about uh, Revelation 21, about verse 10, John said, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from, from God, having the glory of God. And her light was the light unto the most, was like unto the most, uh, unto a stone most precious even like a jasper stone, a clear, clear as crystal, having the uh, and then and had the a wall great and high, and the twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel, and on the east. Uh, there's three gates and on the north three gates and on the south three gates and on the west three gates and the wall of the city had 12 foundations and in them the name of the 12 apostles of the lamb and he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof and the city lies four square and the length is as uh, as large as the breadth and he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. Of course, this is not literal. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall and all those things. And then he begins to describe the building of the wall uh, was of jasper. A lot of these stones I've never seen that I know of. But I know if you go to a jewelry store and you look at well, if you just look at birthstones, you'll see some of these stones mentioned there. And, and you'll see they, they all have these different colors and they're very beautiful. You see, so that's the idea that God's trying to get across to us is how, how beautiful heaven is. But, but how, how can we understand heaven? We are, we are earthly beings. So he takes something that we know about that we can relate to to give us a little idea just a small idea of heaven and then he talks about the foundation of the walls of the city was garnished with all manner of precious stones the first foundation was jasper the second was sapphire he goes on he names all these different stones of these 12 uh, these 12 different foundations and and in verse 12 he says in the and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every one, every several gate was of one pearl. Can you imagine a gate that's made of one pearl? So that word several means individual. So a pearl gate, one pearl. Never seen anything like that, have you? And so he just gives a description, some things that we can relate to somewhat. Like I said, some of those stones, I don't know what they look like. I have looked them all up before. And seeing, I just, the main thing I saw was they, are, they have a lot of color. I like color. And so he's really just uh, trying to help us to see how beautiful, to some degree, heaven will be. But not only that, but in heaven we, we will have comfort. Comfort will be there. You know, down here sometimes it's hard to comfort people when they're going through some very 
difficult things. I've, I've seen people be betrayed and, and go through divorces and things like that. And, and, and I've seen them cry just uncontrollably. And no matter what you did, you could not really comfort them. I've seen people lose loved ones and, and the same thing. And they just, they could not be comforted. No matter what you did. I mean, when, when you hear of some bad things happen to people, sometimes you, you don't know what to say. Maybe you just grab them and hold them and tell them you love them. But there's really no magic words. There's no magic thing that you can do to make all that pain and that hurt and that, that suffering go away. Not down here, but the Bible says in Luke chapter 16, verse 25, but Abraham said to the rich man that lifted up his eyes being in torment, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thou good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted. I want to be comforted, don't you? Nobody can comfort you like God can. And I'll guarantee you, when you get to heaven, you will find comfort there. You see, in this life, everything's about comfort, isn't it? They, you know, they sell comfortable mattresses and sheets and vehicles, and it's all about comfort. But really, when it comes to these things I'm talking about, it's hard to be comforted. But not in heaven. In heaven, we will all find comfort. But also in heaven is where you'll find the tree of life. We studied about that in Genesis, you remember? In Genesis 2, verse 9, the Bible says, And out of the ground made the Lord grow uh, to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life also, in the midst of the garden, there was the tree of life. You remember when Adam and Eve sinned? The Lord said in Genesis 3, verse 22, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. Now, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. You get to heaven, you eat of the tree of life, you never die. Well, the idea is eternal life. And you remember in Revelation 2, verse 7, Jesus said to that church there, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. It's in heaven. It's not on earth. Again, proving that you don't have eternal life down here except for in hope and promise. But in reality, it will be in heaven when this life is over. Number three, the gift of heaven is special because of what and who is not there. What and who is not there? John said the former things will not be there. Revelation 21, 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I don't deal well with death. I don't deal well with seeing people hurt, seeing them in pain. I can take pain pretty well, but I, I can't stand to see people I love in pain. It's difficult, especially when you can't take it away. You can't fix it. You can't bring them back. But you know what? In heaven, we'll never say goodbye. We'll not have the sorrows and the pains and the heartaches and the hurts that we have down here. No, not in heaven. Those former things won't be there. The things that we, we deal with down here, they won't be there. i tell you something else. The old devil won't be there. I'm so sick of him, I don't know what to do. 
The old devil. When I think of all the things that we deal with in life, I always think of the devil and what he did to man. In Matthew 25, verse 41, Jesus said, Then shall he say unto them that on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. The devil and his angels won't be in heaven. We have to deal with that down here. But we won't in heaven. Revelation 20, verse 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. The devil won't be in heaven. The disobedient will not be there either. As the Bible teaches in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul is comforting the church in Thessalonica. And he says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. You know, we've all sinned and come short. That's true. But we've repented and we've been forgiven. You see, heaven will be filled with people that at one time were disobedient but yet they surrendered their all to Christ. And they changed their minds and they changed their lives. Those people that don't change, those mean people, those evil people, those that go around hurting people and mistreating people and being ugly to them, they won't be there. They won't be there. We have to deal with them down here and we have to be careful and cautious down here because we live in a wicked world. There are people in our world that have things going through their minds that we've never dreamed of before. The Bible says evil men wax worse and worse. That's what's going on. But guess what? They won't be there. Revelation 21, verse 27, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. You obey the gospel, that then your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Those that refuse to change, those that refuse to surrender, their names will not be in the Lamb's book of life, and therefore they will not be able to enter into that city, that new Jerusalem, into heaven itself. Revelation 20, 15, the Bible says, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We don't want anyone to be cast in the lake of fire. That's not the point. We want everyone to, to take the Bible, that gift that God has given to all men. We want them to study that gift and we want them to obey what it, it teaches so that they can be saved by the gift of Jesus that was given by God so that they can be added to the saved, be a part of the church, and so they won't have to go to that horrible place. That's what we want. But for those that want and they want to live wickedly, they will not be able to do that in heaven because they'll not be able to go there. They won't be there. Number four, the gift of heaven is special because it is eternal. It's eternal. I cannot even begin to comprehend eternal. I know about time. I know every time it seems like I turn around, it's Saturday evening and it's time to be sure I'm ready for Sunday morning. 
I think my weeks are like Monday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I have a, a, I have a feeling, maybe I have a Wednesday in there too, but I have a feeling that maybe they even shorten up more than that as I get a little bit older. But, but weeks are just like passing by. It's unbelievable. So I, I can't to think eternal, everlasting. I've heard preachers over the years try to try to illustrate that and, you know, like taking a piece of sand from 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 the earth to the moon. And and then when they 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 get every piece of sand on the earth and they have it all on the moon, then eternity will only just begun. And I've heard about birds flying back and forth and I've just heard all sorts of illustrations, but they've never helped me. I cannot I cannot comprehend from everlasting to everlasting. I just cannot. I think of years and months and weeks and days and hours and minutes and seconds. Those things I can somewhat comprehend, but eternity? I cannot. Solomon, the wise man Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 5 when he's comparing uh, growing old to a house getting old. In verse 5, he said, Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish. Richard been getting in trouble by his hair. The almond tree is going to flourish. Let it flourish. And the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire, uh, and desire shall fail. You don't want to do the things you used to do when you was young, right? You, you feel like that as you get older? It's like, ah, it's not really worth the effort anymore. Well, what a, a great description of growing old. But then he says, because man goeth to his long home. You know what your long home is? That's your eternal home. Your eternal home. When you start seeing these things happening, know that it's not far away. Your long home. In Mark chapter 10, verse 30, when his disciples were talking about how that they had forsaken all to follow the Lord, and they're like, what's in it for us? We've given up all these things. And then he said, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and land with persecution. But then he says, and in the world to come, eternal life. Here we live, we die. In heaven you live and never die. Eternal. Matthew 25, 46, that judgment scene there. And these shall go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Heaven's special because in heaven we'll never say goodbye. There'll be no death. There'll be no separation. It's eternal. We've just got to make it there. God offers heaven to all of mankind. There's nothing that would thrill him more than to see all of humanity obey the gospel and be faithful to him so that everyone could be in that mansion with him. God does not 
pre-select who's going to be there and who's not. He doesn't choose certain ones to, to be with Him in heaven and others. No, you, it's not offered to you. It's only offered. No, no. There's a class of people that's going to be able to receive it, but it's been offered to all. But you must be obedient. You must meet those requirements. You must be faithful unto death, Revelation 2.10. The gifts of God are offered to all men, but they are only received through faithful obedience. What more can God do for us than what He has done? He's given us His Word to instruct us, to tell us everything we need to know to be saved. And then He sent His Son as a sacrifice to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He lived without sin. We could not. So he became that sinless sacrifice that died for the sins, listen, of the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The world. Not just me or you or the few of us, but the world. And then he established the church where the saved are. As soon as one obeys the gospel, being, uh, hearing the word, believing it, repenting of their sins, confessing Jesus before men to be the son of God, and then they're baptized, they are immediately at that moment added to the saved, added to the church. And at that moment, they have the hope of heaven. When you obey the gospel, you're in the right direction. You're headed on the way to heaven. And hopefully at the end of the way, through your eyes of faith, you can see heaven awaiting you. It's been offered to us all. But there's things you must do between being baptized into Christ and being able to enter into heaven. But it's there. And it's real. And it awaits us if we'll be faithful to him unto the end. If you're here tonight and you haven't obeyed the gospel, we encourage you to do so. Don't, don't neglect the gifts that God has given us. Receive those gifts through obeying him tonight. As together we stand and sing.